1: to find out if it's right for you.
2: Hello, my name is Ashkii, and I'm a Native American who has taken over Park Ranger for my father who passed away from cancer. Our family has lived in this region of Tennessee for generations. Hell, it was my great X-4 granddad who was the Park Ranger here in the first place, so getting the job was easy for his descendants. When I was little, my great-granddad used to tell me bedtime stories of how him and his father used to go out into the forest and hunt down creatures not of this earth. I thought it nothing but tall tales, and I just wrote them off. It wasn't until I was seventeen when I first saw something truly unexplainable. It was the middle of the night. I had woken up to a loud crashing in the woods. Next to our house, I looked out my window to see something terrifying. What I saw shook my perception on reality it appeared to be a gorilla, but this thing was about ten feet tall and had to weigh about 450 pounds. It had monstrous hands and was covered head to toe in black matted hair, but the most shocking thing was it was walking on two feet. Behind it, it dragged a gigantic brown bear. This bear had to been beaten and bloody as if the thing beat it with its bare hands and dragged it as if it was a rag doll through the edge of the forest. Before it went deeper into the forest, it looked directly at me with its amber glowing eyes, and in the moonlight I could tell that its teeth were sharp and jagged. I quickly ducked under my window sill, but I knew it had saw me. I didn't sleep that night. I stayed up all night watching my window just to make sure it didn't come back to get me. I didn't tell anybody what I saw due to me thinking it being nothing more than a dream the next morning, but that changed when I overheard a conversation between my great-grandad and granddad saying that they found a skull and a monster of skeleton of a giant bear twenty-three miles into the woods. That was two years ago, I am 19, and I have taken up the job as a park ranger. Ever since I took the job at 18 Strange, things have happened, for instance, last night. I went out for expedition into the forest just to look around the area. I did this at a bad time because before I knew it, it was pitch black outside I was 10 miles into the woods. When I noticed glowing red orbs watching me from the trees, I quickly took out my rifle and took cover behind some fallen lumber when I heard a distinct humming noise that was when the glowing red robes multiplied into six. Jobbins my father used to tell me stories of these creatures, they are as peaceful as they can be. They are almost kind, in fact. The humming noise was a song. I quickly plugged my ears, because the song, the sing will enable you to enter sleep, or if you're already sleeping, you'll be unable to wake up. My father theorized that the frequency that give off lock your brain state of awake to avoid anyone from following this fate, I let a stick and waved it around in the air to make them know that their presence was not needed here, and so they scattered glowing quite beautifully in the starry night. The other reason why I had to it was because not only could they put you in a coma, but other. Let's say creatures of this region found the jobbings very delicious. And wouldn't you know it, as soon as I was about to leave cover, there was a rumbling coming from four miles into the woods. I put on my night vision goggles and spotted a bulldog bear, of the thought to be extinct, short-faced bear. The short-faced bear was the largest and most powerful land carnivore in North America during the ice age. This thing must have weighed about 1540 pounds and stood about 10 feet on two feet. It sported a deep red claw mark on its face and had teeth the size of steak knives and fur, as dark as the night sky. I was in deep shit here this thing could run circles around any horse I had no chance of escaping, or so I thought. Slowly lumbering toward the bear was a monster of a Bigfoot. This thing was about eight feet tall, weighed, weighed, weighed about 800 pounds, and if you want to know about Bigfoots, know this and remember it well, they are very territorial. What happened next was a scene right out of a King Kong movie. The Bigfoot, while beating its chest, let out a howl of intimidation, and the bear stood on two feet and roared a roar that shook the forest and silenced any crickets or insects sing a nightly song. They charged at each other, but before I could see anything else, I booked it. I took one look back and saw the Bigfoot toss the monster of the bear through four trees that only made me run faster. I made it back to my cabin at 5. I stayed up that whole morning, sitting on my couch with my shotgun and pistol loaded in my hand and pointing at the door in case the victor of that match was looking for a new opponent. The next day was when I got the radio call about the missing campers and hikers that have gone missing in my area of the woods. I packed my bags for a long tip into the wilderness, expecting to find what was behind the currents of hikers and campers not coming back. I planned to hike 30 miles into the forest. On the first 10 miles, I started to find backpacks ripped to shreds and tents, reduced to nothing but cloth. I took out my pistol and started to walk further into the forest, keeping my head on a swivel. Fifteen miles in, I started to find body parts, arms and legs littered the trails, but one blood trail stood out to me. I followed it about three miles into the woods and found a horrible sight. It was a man he had been skinned alive and his eye were missing from what I could tell his legs had been broken and he had been crucified on a makeshift cross. He had been cut in the corners of his mouth to display a sadistic smile and he hid had been held up by some sting to make it look at if he were looking at me. I slowly walked away from the man not wanting to get any closer. The thing that bothers me the most was that every time I turned my back to him, I would hear a twisted child's giggle coming from the corpse. I walked further into the woods and decided to make a makeshift camp in a cave close by a water source so I could bath and possibly fish for more food. After two hours of fishing, I had caught some meaty catches and prepared them and cooked them on the roaring flame of my campfire. But even though I was concentrating on not burning the fish, I could tell that I was being watched. I looked up from the flame and saw a man, but it wasn't, an ordinary man. He would be a man at first glance, but as I studied him more I noticed his twisted features. He was tall and had long hair past his shoulders. His eyes glowed a bright yellow and his hands were massive with untrimmed nails. He smiled at me and his teeth were sharp and yellow as a stick of butter, he called to me. A little lost, aren't ya?" Why don't you put out that campfire so I can help y'all find your way out, is a raspy cigarette-smoker voice. His voice was deep, and I felt it in my bowels. I liked him in the eyes and threw down a log on the fire, which made it roar and grow bigger. And the creature let out a cry and stumbled back. Thank God it took the fish off or it would have been burned. I thought, why don't you just come and sit at the campfire with me? I said as I patted on the empty place on the log next time me, while sporting a grin. You're a cool for coming out here this deep into the forest alone, and I'll make you realize that sooner or later, the creature said in voice full of hate, and then he left walking with an unnatural gait into the forest. I stayed awake all night keeping the fire alive and my shotgun loaded in my lap. I knew that if it had gone out, I wouldn't be making it the next morning. When sunset came, I went into my tent and fell asleep, keeping an ear out for any noises. There have been stories of wild men roaming deep in the forest, but to meet one is a whole different feeling of fear. I woke up at 12 p.m. and continued hiking. At mile 20, I had found an abandoned cabin. Nothing seemed to be wrong with it and when I went inside of it, it appeared to be normal and untouched besides being covered in cobwebs, so I made base here. It was a small cabin, just one bed and one bathroom and a half kitchen. I sat at the table and took out a field guide to the area and started to read up on the other creatures that could be lurking around here. It was night when I finished and heard a weird noise outside of the window. Thank God I had turned the lights off before it got to dark because right outside my window I saw old man wandering the forest. I thought it to be strange that anyone besides me to be this deep out here. I wanted to open the door and offer to help, but then noticed this was a very tall old man and was wearing the skin of a mountain lion on his back and was dragging a human body behind him. He was waking towards the cabin shed. I thought I hid under the couch with my pistol in hand and threw my stuff in the bathroom and closed the door. He opened the door and slammed it shut. He was sniffing the air. Like a dog who smells food, he know I'm here. I thought, but then he growled and just walked toward the table, dragging the mangled human body behind him. I wanted to let out a breath of relief, but I knew that if I did, he'd find me. He then threw the corpse on the table I was reading at it and I started to hear sounds of gnawing, ripping, and tearing. From what I could see, he was eating the human body, and when he was done, he stood in the middle of the cabin and started breathing heavy. He fell on his knees and started shifting into a monster of a mountain lion. His once-human hands turned into gigantic, terrible paws with claws. That could cut through Diamond. His fur was jet black with what appeared to be red stripes on the ankles of his massive mountain lion legs. He cracked the wood floor of the cab as he walked, and when he roared, he shattered every window in the cabin. He ran out the door, shattering it into pieces and talking off into a tree deep in the woods. That was four hours ago, and ever since then I've been sitting on this couch, in shock every once in a while, looking at the poor camper's body, his poor mangled body. The skinwalker had eaten every organ in it, a lift, did a husk. I know what must be done, but the question is, do I have the guts to do it? Right now I've made a plan to take the skinwalker out, but I don't know if I could possibly defeat something so evil and ancient. The stories that my family have told me of skinwalkers have made them seem like an unstoppable force of the evils of this world, but there is a way to kill it. When the sun was in the middle of the sky, I went to go find some wolfsbane. I've liquefied it to saturate my bullets in and sharpen, and then coated my machete in it. I thank God my father for only using silver rounds and a silver machete for when he was in charge, but the cost must have been very expensive. I got my pistol and shotgun at the ready, and I am hiding under the bed of the cabin. Everything's in place. I don't know if I'll make it, but just in case I don't, I'm gonna post this now, and it's good thing I'm posting this now, To, I just heard the silver bear trap coated in wolf's bane I placed in the. Living room go off in a roar of a creature that's not too happy that someone has found its lair. Part 2 Hello, it's me again, Ashkiah, now I bet you wondering how the hell did I make it out alive. Well, I'll tell you, after the skinwalker had fallen for the silver bear trap, I busted out from my hiding place and loaded it with the special bullets I made. But it still had fight in it. It grabbed me and threw me through a window I wrapped around a tree. I got my arm impaled on a sharp break, but I could tell it took all of its strength. Silver and Wolfsbane are excellent for fighting monsters such as these. It drains their stamina, and if they have a healing factor, it's not longer able to use it. He then rushed me, and with the branch I took out of my arm. I swung it, and it connected with its chin. Dazing it after I got up. I saw the skinwalker sluggishly crawling into the forest. I limped over and out a bullet right into its brain. But I knew that wouldn't be a definite way to kill it. I had to. Take out the heart and burn it on a fire, or else it would come back for round to after I did, that it turned to dust and blew away into the night. After that I exhaled deeply and limped back to the cabin, closed and locked the door, and passed out on the couch. I woke up nine hours later, tended to my wounds, and headed back to my main base, noting that this cabin could be of use in the future. About ten miles into my walk, I was approached by a hiker. We exchanged greetings, had a conversation, and I even decided to let him walk with me. His name was Back. After ten minutes of walking, he offered me some food. It looked delicious, almost delicious. I looked at it and looked at him, and he was grinning. I THEN TOOK OUT SOME silver powder AND BLEW IT IN HIS FACE. IT RELIVED HIS TRUE FORM, A BAKWA. BAKWA'S OFFERS GHOST FOOD OUT OF cockle shells. TO HUMANS STRANDED IN THE WOODS IF THEY ACCEPT AND EAT THE OFFERED FOOD. THEN THEY TOO BECOME A GHOSTLY BEING LIKE BAKWA'S. I POINTED MY PISTOL AT THE MONSTER WHO TOOK THE FORM OF A TALL OLD MAN AND THREATENED THAT IF I EVER SAW HIM AGAIN, He would die and he wouldn't have to be worried about offering food anymore. He took off deep into the woods to never to be seen by me again and I kept walking, finally reaching my cabin and retiring to my bed to rest. The next morning I got a call from an unknown radio signal about a strange sighting about a man wearing a moose skull as a mask. I took it to be a tweaker who found a dead moose and head out to take care of it the location the man was sighted was in an unmapped region of the woods, so I thought it odd that he had gotten that far. As soon as I got there, I found a hiding place behind a log and waited for him to come. About 10 p.m., the man showed up in the moonlight. I could see this was no man. It was a winding go. This thing was extremely gaunt and emaciated with grayish skin sunken red eyes tattered lips and possessed a deathly odor a wendigo greedily feeds on human flesh however for each person it consumes the monster grows ever larger and this thing had to be at least nine feet tall with long hair reaching to the middle of its back and sharp blood-drenched claws it sniffed the air it knew i was here I thank God that I had my shotgun. I then jumped out my hiding spot and lit it up with silver Buck shot it scared in agony. It sounded like a woman's scream mixed with an angry cat. It then took a small tree and hit me like a batter hitting a baseball. I flew fifteen feet and landed on a pile of human bones. This thing needed to be killed if left alive. It would go on to eat and grow stronger. So as it came charging me, I ducked, and it hit the side of a large rock, cracking its skull and stunning it. I took the chance to pick up and slam it on its head load, its heart full of silver shotgun shells, and then poured liquid wolf's bane into its opening chest cavity. I thought this thing smelled bad when it was alive, but when it died, while this thing smelled terrible, I made a large fire and burned what was left that night. I was pretty far into the forest, so I made camp near water and started to fish. I caught some pretty big fish and took care of my wounds from the previous night. I even decided to take a bath. Smelling like a winding go could attract unwanted company. Later at sunset, I started to cook the fish. When a rustling came from the woods before I could react to wahila, jumped out of the brush and snarled at me. I was defenseless. This thing was ten feet on two legs, and on all fours stood six feet tall. It had a large mouth and black fur with white marking on it. Its piercing yellow eyes started into my soul, and then it took three of the big fish I caught and ran into the woods. Better me than the fish I thought. Of this was Wahila territory, then I didn't want to be around here, so I packed my bags out of my fire and took off for my camp at night. On my walk, I heard strange noises. I heard whispers in the night, and I even heard a woman scream. From above me, I heard a child scream help me, and then I did something. I shouldn't have. I looked up, and I saw it, a stick Indian. It had been following me for miles, just waiting for me to notice it. Stick Indians are seldom seen. They are almost completely nocturnal and it is said that their language does not mimic human speech, but instead sounds like birds and other animals. They also have powers to paralyze, hypnotize, or cause insanity in hapless humans, while in others they merely lead people astray by making eerie sounds of whistling or laughter in the woods at night. In some stories, stick Indians may eat people who fall prey to them, kidnap children, They also take aggressive revenge against people who injure or disrespect them, no matter how unintentionally. This thing was tall, had long arms with big hands that ended with long claws and red eyes. It had a face like a totem pole and had a hypnotic going on with its eyes. I knew I was in trouble. I took off as fast as I could, and the stick Indian was close behind me swinging in the tree's branch to branch. It swung at me and got the back of my neck, but I kept running. Luckily, I was by my old cabin and took cover and locked the door. It was beating on the door, and time was running out. I had dropped my weapons while running from this thing and had nothing to defend myself. I then remembered that I had left some silver brass knuckles in the nightstand in the bedroom. Also, I had found an old tomahawk, but it was still sharp. I took out the last of my liquid wolf's bane and coated the knuckles and the tomahawk with it. I have a slim chance of beating this thing, so I decided to post this before fight night went down the door. Just slammed open and the locks are rolling on the floor. If I make it, I'll post how I survived this fight. But if I don't, you'll know farewell. Be safe. Lately, I've been seeing a lot more stories on reddit about yo sightings and encounters. So I myself was driving home one evening and saw something that disturbed me to my core. Myself and two fellow officers were driving down this country road towards the station. It was maybe right about one in the morning after a very long shift. The roads can be pretty dangerous sometimes, and we're always on high alert for anything out of the ordinary. We spotted something up ahead near an old abandoned building, so we slowed down to see what it was. It was the movement that caught our eye. As we got closer, I realized it was not any animal we'd ever seen. It was tall, bipedal, hairy with big eyes, and had claws like a bear, but it clearly was not a bear. But like a bear, it also stood upright. It was just standing there looking right at us. It did not have any clothes on either, so I was pretty rattled. We pulled up about several hundred feet away, stopped to get a better look at it. We knew this wasn't one of the new aliens they're always talking about. This was something else. Though I will admit, we're all fairly seasoned officers. This thing really spooked us. Enough that one of my fellow officers turned around right then, drove off without saying anything to me or my other friend. He must have had his reasons that he took off. While we were still in the process of trying to find out what happened, this thing began making strange sounds. We'd try to get a closer look, but we felt too afraid to get closer. I feel like had we gotten out of the car and gone up the hill to where this was, whatever that thing was, it would have attacked us. Was it a yoi? It just had this sort of dangerous demeanor about it, so we decided to leave it. Instead, I'm kind of glad my partner took off. I think he knew something I did not back then. I know for sure now, though, cryptids are real, and Yoey is one of them for sure. In fact, my childhood friend saw another one years ago in the forest near his home. Once we were young teenagers, he's been trying to convince me ever since that all those other stories we've heard are probably true. I guess we know that he was right about at least some of them. I don't know what's going on, but I'm glad to see there are others out there like me and my friend who believe in these creatures and are not afraid to speak out about it. It's time we get the word out that they are real. People need to recognize this kind of thing is happening every day all around us, even if most people can't see it or just simply refuse to accept it. That and stop perpetuating the stories and rumors about Sasquatch and Bigfoot being demons or something. We know better than that by now, right? I'm a kida Sioux native that had this terrifying encounter with an unknown predator. So I grew up in the heart of the Appalachians, near a dense and mysterious woodland. My closest companion in this wilderness was Red Bull, a fearless and adventurous friend who shared my curiosity for the unknown. One fateful day, after a successful bison hunt, Red Bull and I decided to venture deeper into the woods in search of the carcass we had left behind. As we made our way through the underbrush, a sudden chill swept through the forest, causing the hairs on the back of my neck to stand on end. I exchanged a wary glance with Red Bull, both of us sensing an eerie presence lurking nearby. The familiar sounds of the woods seemed to fade into an unnatural silence. Then we saw it. Emerging from the darkness was a figure unlike anything we had ever encountered. It stood tall on its two hind legs, its elongated arms brushing against the ground like a bear in disguise. The creature's gaunt frame gave an impression of extreme malnourishment with a crooked spine that contorted its form. Its face was a grotesque sight, lacking the majestic horns of a bull, but adorned with a tangled mane of neck hair. Its skin bathed in the ethereal glow of moonlight shimmered with a haunting gray hue, and its eyes glowed with an unnatural piercing light. My heart pounded in my chest as I locked eyes with this monstrous cryptid. Its presence sent a shiver down my spine, and I could feel the weight of its gaze penetrating my very soul. In sheer terror, Red Bull and I turned and ran for our lives. Our pounding footsteps echoed through the forest, accompanied by the echoing howls of the creature in pursuit. It seemed relentless, its unearthly speed closing in on us, but just as it drew dangerously close, an inexplicable change came over the creature. It abruptly ceased its pursuit, losing interest in our escape. Breathless and trembling, we reached the safety of our tribe's encampment. We dared not speak of what we had witnessed, fearing that our story would be met with disbelief or worse, that it would invite the creature's return. We sought solace in each other's silence. Yet the memory of that nightmarish encounter haunted our thoughts. I never really talked about this, but 1968, I was on an ambush patrol out of a fire base in Vietnam. We used to go out at night like an Indian raiding party and basically try to f up the resupply of the Vietnamese around our area. We had a few players in the fight, including the howitzers of the fire base and the spooky gunships. We would use both for backup when things got sticky. We also could call movers, which were Mustangs and F4 Thunder Chiefs, to run a hot nape, napalm, drop on our numbers. So we were out playing in the woods chasing Charlie and harassing his pack animals, and we see the mother load bicycle tracks. They were deep and wide bikes were carrying a hell of a load, and the edges were different, so it was many bikes instead. Sweet time to party, So I won't lie about it. We used to smoke a lot of grass and it was mostly drizzled with opium. I was 19 in a weird hostile country for reasons I didn't get killing people. I had no reason to kill. So you would do drugs, too. We smoked up on a squad and set out to kill anything that moved. We had Spooky flying in to help. As soon as we let him know, the pan was hot. Spooky would circle us and dump lead rain into the woods. Spooky runs were like calling in a flying chainsaw. Everything got cut to bits. And usually if a weed and a stick was left standing, then the enemy got lucky. We heard the trail going live and knew we had a great ambush spot. The smell hit me it was wrong. Usually in the wet jungle, you smell the odor of men. Urine and cigarettes and candles that the Vietnamese used to guide their way. Those were normal smells. Rice and sweet milk smells, things like that, were okay. This was not okay. It almost smelled like rotten meat, more dense and concentrated than any smell should have been. A few of us picked up on it. We dumped our fire in and took return fire back and forth as usual. The spot we picked was a huge slow bend where the trail went uphill and was basically protected by a 12 to 15 foot wide band of brush and trees and then a dirt hill behind it, nowhere to run or hide. Lights kept coming down toward us and we kept shooting. Noise and movement got lead on it. It was crazy they just kept coming to the spot. Spooky came in, did her job, and the band of trees was gone. The whole trail was open. No way Charlie could survive any of this. So many rounds screamed into the hill. We sat on the spot till morning. The sun came up and we went up to do our body count. Pointless because they dragged off the dead, so you guessed based on heel marks and drips of blood. Not a single body. No drags, no evidence, a single thing had been there. Bullet holes and trees chewed up. Not a single thing to show we had hit anything. We all agreed we saw something. We all agreed we saw no evidence of humans dead or otherwise. So about a week later, guys on patrol call in a fast mover strike in the palm the same area. No bodies, no marks, nothing. In talking about it, we all discovered that we had the same smell experience, the dead rotten meat smell. I think this happened about 4 times where napalm and gunships tore the place apart and never was anything found. No drop gear, no blood. Nothing like poof. They were gone. We saw soldiers. We saw bikes and boxes and bags. It was there. I can't explain it, and I can't offer a thought. I know what I saw and smelled and felt. I I just can't tell you where they went. The hill was heavily bombed, C.O., thought maybe a tunnel complex ran under, and the tunnels were used as an escape route. That doesn't work in my mind. Napalm is as indiscriminate of a killer as one can get. Even if you were standing ready to jump in a tunnel, napalm is still going to melt your lungs. I got some shrapnel in my calf and chin another night, so I never had an ambush on that trail area again. But as far as I know, it was never explained. Being set out like that, even with a bunch of guys, we were still basically alone and had to live with the rules of the jungle. Monkeys and cats and things like that mess with your mind. This was different. You felt nothing. The whole I feel him looking at me wasn't part of it. None of us felt afraid or sensed something different than any ambush. So it was my junior year of college, and every year, around October or November, my girlfriend's sorority would have a function called the Great Outdoors. Every girl in the sorority invites a date, and things usually get pretty rowdy, 125, plus people. Anyways, the location of this event changes each year. This year, we were set to go about two hours from campus to a secluded camping ground that was in Missouri. We all attended the University of Arkansas, which is in the Ozark Mountains and close to the M.O. border, So we left for this function late in the afternoon and didn't take the exit for the campground until the sun was beginning to set. After taking the exit, we were told to follow signs that the sortie had set up along the way to get us to the campsite. Easy enough, they were all in bright pink and just indicated when and where to turn. We'd been following these signs for about 45 minutes when I realized it had been about 20 minutes since we had seen our last sign that indicated a turn. With that being said, the dirt road we were on was getting more and more into the depths of the woods, and that you could tell that this road had been way less traveled on than any of the others we had been on. A few minutes go by, I start to get worried, but don't want to freak out the girls in the car, so I just sit back and keep looking for pink signs. Finally, we stumble upon a sort of hidden house that was not hidden in the woods, but definitely didn't stand out. The dirt road dead-ended at the house, and the only way to turn around would be to pull up close to the house where there was a small patch of gravel. We were in a four-door, non-four-wheel drive car. Upon pulling up toward the house, I see two three men standing off the side of the road, still hidden in the dark, yet visible, all with what seemed to be Kevlar vest on and what looked like sub-automatic guns. I own eight guns and would say they resemble a UMP 45. I immediately tell my buddy to stop the car and put it in reverse. He does not. He continues to drive up towards the house to turn around. Obviously he had not noticed the guns. He rolls down the window and explains the situation. Now obviously seeing the guns. The man told us that he wasn't sure where we were headed but the road dead ends here and that we best get headed in the other direction before things start to get scary for us. Needless to say, we screamed out of there. Girls were crying. Upon rolling out, me and the other guy noticed about 20 propane tanks on the side of the house. They were definitely cooking a lot of meth. It was the most hills-have-eyes experience I have ever had. I saw a shadow person one night while driving through the country. I was going past my aunts on my way home from a friend's house. As I'm driving down the hill, my headlights cast enough light off to the side for me to see her llamas. I could see the color of their fur and tell them apart from each other. This is important because if I could see details of these llamas to the side of my car without direct light on them, then I would have seen any texture on what I saw right in front of me it was just solid black no texture nothing but a very tall black silhouette with extra long arms and the glowing reflection in the eyes from the headlights the same as you'd see with an animal at night it looked towards me then walked into the woods that were on the other side of her road I lived at a boarding school for dyslexic boys in northeast New York. I snuck out one night to meet another student who had offered to smoke me out. We made our way through the frozen night to underneath a bridge where I got the feeling that he did not invite me there to smoke. We sat in the dead silence of the night underneath that bridge and did not smoke. I recall that he had expressly told me that he had a goal in life to kill somebody. When I think back on that moment, I get the feeling that is why he invited me out that night, but he did not go through with it. Not my story, but my brother's. We're both our avid hunters and backpackers, and between the two of us, we've covered a lot of ground. I personally have never found, seen, or been in a strange situation, other than the feeling of being watched. Anyways, my brother was backpacking in the Tetons or Glacier, I can't remember which, with his then-girlfriend. They were at a designated campsite one or two days down the trail. They were hiking. They didn't see anybody when they arrived or later that night. They had turned in for the night and were both laying in tent talking. At this point, my brother had to get up and find the designated toilet for twos, which was probably a little over and one-eighth of a mile down a trail from where they had set up camp. Using a headlamp, he made his way down the trail and found said toilet. Finished, he started to make his way back to his camp. He noticed strange tracks on the trail that he said were definitely not there on the way to the toilet, with a headlamp on your view is usually fixed on the ground when you're walking so I doubt he would have missed them. The other tracks were also on top of his tracks that were heading to John. The strange part is that these tracks were human handprints. No other markings on the ground other than his boot prints and these handprints leading down the trail almost the entire way to his camp. Then he said they just stopped. He and his girlfriend heard absolutely nothing. Needless to say, neither of them slept much that night. They never saw anybody at the campsite, even after leaving in the morning. This story is completely true, and if anybody wants more details, I'd be happy to ask him tomorrow. Sorry for making it so long. I'm going to tell my story because I have never felt such sheer terror in my life. I'm tearing up just typing this out. So when I was in college, I used to go on runs at night in the Carl Gables area of Miami. One night just before my run, my friend invited me to go out with her and some other friends. This was around 9 p.m. or so. She wanted to come to my place to get ready beforehand, so I told her I'd leave the back door unlocked, and she could just let herself in while I went on a quick run. Anyways, I started my run. If you're familiar with the Gables area... You know that a lot of the neighborhood areas have either no streetlights or they are sparsely spread out. Well, in my little housing community, there were also many streets that had extremely old trees that formed arches over entire streets, creating beautiful, colorful tunnels of green and bright flowers in the daytime. But at night, they block out any moonlight there could be, making the streets completely black. So I went down a street, maybe half a mile away from my house that I always went down. It happened to be one with no street lights or visible sky, so it was always pretty dark. It never particularly bothered me, though, because the lights from the houses always provided enough light for me to get by. Except for that night. I really can't explain it. As soon as I turned down the street, I felt something deeply wrong, because not a single house was lit. I tried to move past the feeling and considered the possibility of a power outage, as it was Miami and we had just had a storm earlier that day. Because it was so dark, I took out my headphones and hoped my hearing would heighten in the absence of my vision. I couldn't hear a damn thing, not a single noise. It was incredibly unnerving. Miami was always filled with chirping bugs and... Frogs and all kinds of creatures, but there was total silence. That bad feeling came back, and I couldn't really brush it away this time. I started to slow down until my run turned into a walk, and my walk into a complete stop. I stopped and tried to listen for any noise or see any hint of light, but it was just so damn dark. Just as I started to wonder if there was some kind of important evacuation, I missed— Trying to come up with some rational explanation for this, my phone lights up the blackness with a text from my friend saying she had made it to my house. After seeing how brightly my phone illuminated the street, I took it off my armband and moved it around in front of me to light my surroundings. Goddamn, I wish I wouldn't have. As I moved the phone from the right side of the street to the left, I noticed something in the upstairs window of the house to my left. At first, I thought it was my paranoia getting the better of me, but immediately felt intense dread and complete terror. Standing in the second-story window, no more than ten yards from me, was an extremely pale girl with long black hair standing in front of white lace curtains. I yelped, gasped, and did a double-take only to confirm that I had seen what I did. She moved her hand to the window, and her face was completely expressionless, staring at me. I've never run so fast in my life. God, typing this out, I still remember exactly what her pale face looked like, and it's giving me anxiety. I ran so fast. I was about a half mile from my house, but I swear it took me thirty seconds to get home, at which point I burst open the front door, locked it behind me, ran to the back door, locked it behind me, ran to my room locked it behind me. My friend had been sitting in my room doing her makeup and she was so freaked out. I collapsed onto the floor and started crying and I was sweating and shaking violently. I think at this point she was assuming I had just been assaulted or something but I've just never felt fear like that before. I explained the situation as best I could in between. Gasps and I could tell she thought I was being way over dramatic about it. But I seriously didn't care. I was way too terrified. She tried to rationalize it, saying there might have been a mannequin or something, or it was just a girl who woke up or something like that. But it all just felt so wrong. I can't explain it other than just a really unnatural feeling. I finally calmed down and just grabbed all my shit to go over to her place. I wanted to put miles between myself and that girl. The next day, after expressing my fear to my boyfriend, I convinced him to drive me to the house so I could see it in the daytime, either to confirm what I saw again or to convince myself that I went temporarily insane or something. As we drive up to the house, I notice a for sale in front that I hadn't noticed before because it was tucked behind some plants by the curb. The front of the house was completely overgrown with vines. The grass was dead and the plant life was just out of control. It wouldn't have even been possible for a car to pull into the driveway. It made me even more confused and frightened. It was then that I noticed a foreclosure notice on the front door. The house had been foreclosed on months ago. I started crying and just wanted to get the hell away from there. I still don't understand what the F happened that night, but I don't even know if I'd wanted to know. The best I could reason is that a family was squatting in the house, but it just doesn't explain the darkness of the street and that feeling I had. That feeling. Like I wasn't alone. Was a wild land firefighter for a few seasons, so I spent quite a bit time far in middle of nowhere. Irony i began to feel way safer in middle of nowhere even at night than I ever do in a very safe city. But here was one thing that really stand out in my mind. One night we got assigned to watch the fire line. So we were spaced about 100 yards apart from each other and we were on hill. Plus it was night time and the fire was pretty much dead. Well, or dead. We can see it in distance. But that is it so we cannot see each other unless we flash light at each other. Anyway, I was sitting watching fire in far distance when I noticed something dark moving about 20 foot away from me. This wasn't unusual since a lot of animals roams around at nighttime. I slowly tilt my head down to look at it. I notice it was oddly shaped. I sat still and try to make out what it was. After some time, I cannot figure out what it was. I turned light on saw a huge eyes, somewhat diamond-shaped head with massive ears. With ashes flying all over the place, In odd tint of the light, the object looked like a goblin. I swear my eyes was bulging out of the socket as I saw this goblin. I sat still for a bit, trying to decide whether I should scream or not. I went to school in a very remote area near Mont St. Helens. There's a trail used by the biology class, natural resources class, and cross-country team that leads to a water tower up on the hill. It's heavily wooded, and kids go up there almost every day. My buddy and I were waiting for his big sister's softball practice to finish up after school so she could drive us home. In the meantime, we hiked up that trail. We hiked to the top and on the way down got a very uneasy feeling. We both felt it. The kind of eerie that makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Like we were being watched, we continued on. But neither one of us felt comfortable. Something wasn't right. We just wanted to get off the hill and out of the woods. All of a sudden we heard the loudest, freakiest scream directly behind us. We both froze. I still, to this day, have never been so terrified. I looked at my buddy, who was completely pale. I couldn't talk. All he mouthed was do. Not run. He mouthed the word cougar to me. I hadn't heard a pissed-off cougar before that. All I can describe it as is a blood-curdling screech from hell. We saw a few people walking towards us around the bend, which must have spooked the cat. We told the group to turn around. Rumor has it the cat had a den under the stadium bleachers. Don't know if it was true or not. We never did see it. I drove for a delivery service for two years, delivering grocery bags that people ordered. Deliveries were between 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. One night I was out late because I had a long distance to drive for my last delivery of the night. I was out in more or less in the middle of nowhere, rather deep into a forest, and arrived at four houses on a small road. After the delivery, I turned back on the road. It's late November, so it's very dark outside. As I make a ninety turn on, with the road, my headlights clearly lit up a figure of a lady in a bright white dress, standing in the ditch on the side of the road. I probably only saw her for a second and couldn't make out a face but I swear I saw her starting to move towards me. I drove out of there with lightning speed. Between the cabin and the storage space in the back, there is a door for passage. It's completely empty back there and dark. I had to spend the full 45-minute drive back continuously waving the motion-detected lights on back there because I just felt this eerie presence back there while it was dark. That was the last time I ever had a delivery to that place on that route. One time and one time only. When I lived on a farm, one day I went up to fix a fence that a tree fell on. It was just a routine task, nothing out of the ordinary. The sun was shining and the air was filled with the familiar scents of the countryside. Little did I know that this day would forever change my perspective on farming. As I worked diligently on repairing the fence, the only sound accompanying me was the occasional rustle of leaves and the creaking of the old wooden posts. But then a distant and rhythmic beat caught my attention. It was faint at first, almost blending with the natural symphony of the farm. I paused, trying to identify the source of the sound. It sounded like drums, distant yet persistent. Kind of freaky, I thought, but I brushed it off as my imagination playing tricks on me. After all, farms can be filled with peculiar sounds and unexplained phenomena. Determined to finish my task, I focused on mending the fallen fence. Time passed, and the beat of the drums continued to echo in the background, growing slightly louder with each passing moment. Suddenly, without warning, a massive figure burst out from the thick bushes nearby. It was an ostrich running at full speed, its long legs propelling it forward with incredible speed. My heart raced as I watched the creature charging straight towards me. Well, F that, I thought to myself, instinctively leaping onto the quad bike parked nearby. With a surge of adrenaline, I revved the engine and zoomed away, leaving the furious ostrich in my wake. I could hardly believe what had just happened the speed at which that bird was closing in on me was astounding. It was as if it had a personal vendetta against me. Moment later, the F was right beside me, pecking at the thumb that rested on the throttle before slowing down and eventually stopping the chase. Shaken but relieved, I realized that this ostrich must have escaped from an ostrich farm in the next valley. The distant drumbeat I had heard earlier was perhaps a sign of its restlessness or longing for freedom. That day, as I reflected on the encounter, I couldn't help but feel a newfound respect for the unpredictability of farm life. It was a reminder that no matter how well we plan and try to control our surroundings, nature can always throw us a curveball. That might have been the day I decided that farming wasn't for me. The incident with the ostrich opened my eyes to the unexpected challenges and dangers that came with agricultural life. I live in rural New Mexico, just outside of Albuquerque. Last summer I was stringing corral fence. A Navajo friend, Tom Bill, visiting while he attended a powwow and albuquerque watched as i hammered away at a corner post the horses began to spook what's got them stirred up he asked i told him that every night coyotes ran down our road making the dogs bark and the horses go crazy then tom told me a story one night last april about 2 a.m he said i was driving along the crown point road in my truck when i heard a noise." Seemed at first to be coming from the engine a strange sound, like a dog panting. I got car trouble, I thought. Then I heard a footfall behind me, back over my right shoulder. I looked down at the speedometer, and I was traveling about 55 or 60 miles an hour. I glanced into my rearview mirror, and the hair stood up on the back of my neck. There was some guy I'd never seen. A Navajo, and he was running just in back of the tailgate. I couldn't see his face, just his torso lit by my taillights, his arms and legs flying up and down incredibly fast. I sped up to around 75 and looked back. He had disappeared, but I heard a breathing sound right by my left ear. I looked out the window, and there he was, running along, keeping pace with me. As I was looking at him out the window, he veered off toward Crown Point. I knew he was no ordinary man because he was traveling so fast. Just before he disappeared into the brush, he had changed into a wolf. So you better watch out. Those coyotes spooking your horses may not be coyotes. My uncle once told me, and this was a very chilling story, about a time when he and one of my other uncles went deer hunting in the foothills of Mount Taylor. He saw a deer up in some rocks and shot at it. Then he heard a voice, a human voice, somebody calling out his name and crying for him to help. My uncle was seized with fear at the sound of this voice summoning him. Cautiously, he went up there to see what was going on. He saw a man lying on his side, wounded. The man was only half-human, the top half, and the rest of him was some kind of animal. I don't know if it was a wolf or not. I think it was a deer. But my uncle knew this was some kind of spirit. He was afraid to come any closer. He felt that it would get him if he approached any nearer. Then the rest of the men came and they said, Let's get out of here. This is some kind of witch or spirit that wants to take human form. My uncle told this story in great detail. I was doing survival training for the Air Force, and on the second night, not 50 yards from our campsite, I hear gunshots. I spent a lot of time around guns, so I know what 50 yards sounds like with a handgun or a long gun. This was a smaller caliber handgun, maybe thirty caliber or 9 millimeter. We decided to ignore it, as it was probably the cadre doing something to play mind tricks, so we didn't do anything about it. A few days later, as we finished, we found out that a man had been shot in the wilderness near us. In the last few years, I have yet to see any news that has to do with the random shooting of a guy near Colorado Springs. It was either in Sailor Park or near USAFA grounds. I can't remember exactly due to the amount of training we did. i've been hesitant on posting any story mainly due to the fact that i don't want anyone ever thinking that i or the person the story is about is crazy although saying this actually happened sounds very cliche but i can assure you the following stories are true Now, before I begin the first story, just for a bit of background, I'm an intern for a church that does work on a Navajo reservation site, helping the community on people's homes like roofing repair, repainting, and interior fixing. 8-5 with good pay and nice people, so overall, I'm happy with this. And as a bit of a disclaimer, I'm not trying to offend Navajo tradition in any way. This is just a first-hand story on what is currently happening on my trip. Over the past two months of the internship, I've begun to grow fairly close with some of the residents on the reservation. One lady in particular that I got to know pretty well was the superstitious type, like Sid never be outside at night or other random-seeming things to me like that but the biggest taboo I knew to never mention, mainly because I was told by my superiors, was Navajo folklore like skinwalkers. However, one day it was very different in the sense that the question was just burning within me. I was on my lunch break after wrapping up painting parts of her house, and she sits next to me on her porch, and we talk for a while, but I finally feel comfortable enough to ask her about any folklore, about werewolves, or anything of that sort. I didn't really expect a response. I thought maybe she'd quickly say no, then change the topic. But if anything, I was more scared I may offend her. But to my surprise, she turns her head looking toward the outside scenery, hesitates, but then says yes. I know some, and I've experienced it too. She proceeded to tell me a description. On the apparent equivalent to a werewolf, To paraphrase, she said, werewolves look like normal people, but masked in white paint, covering their face, arms and chest. Their whole body is white as a corpse, covered with black symbols, quite possibly related to devil worshipping. More specifically, they are grave diggers and necromancers as well. They dig bodies up only to steal jewelry, although they may perform other acts to corpses as she quickly strayed away from going into too much detail about that point. Wolves also get their power from the devil. That is how they are able to possess such supernatural strength and endurance. I was surprised to hear this, although I figured werewolves wouldn't look anything like that in Twilight or Scooby-Doo although deep down even I thought she sounded a bit crazy. Before I could ask more questions about these werewolves, she began to tell me her own interaction with these supernatural beasts, and her story still gives me chills. She explained that one day her and her husband were driving on the curvy roads alongside the mountains, only to find a woman with her face covered by her hands, and was kneeling in the middle of the road, appearing as though she was crying. The woman looks up towards the car's headlights to reveal the very same white paint and sacrificial symbols mentioned previously. Her husband honked his horn and quickly slams on the brakes, only to be too late and hears the loud cracking sound of the women's bones and the splash of blood all over the windshield. Once her and her husband stopped the car safely and processed what the hell just happened, they quickly run over to the spot where they hit the women. However, once they reached the spot, there was no body. But not only that, there was no trace of blood either. Just as a sad note, this part of the reservation had some cliffs, but it was relatively flat land, so it would be obvious to tell where someone is, especially if they just got hit by a car. Puzzled by what the possible explanation could be for this occurrence. Her and her husband drove back home, trying to neglect the thought that they'd just witnessed a werewolf. However, being the non-paranormal believers they were at the time, they tried to just close this occurrence off as them just losing their minds. As interesting as her story was, this got me thinking, is it possible for this werewolf story to be true? Or is this her own way of describing a skinwalker or other supernatural phenomenon because she didn't think I knew what a skinwalker was? This question kept circulating through my head. So as you could expect, the following nights made it harder for me to sleep comfortably. Because of that, during the work days, I would feel more and more mentally drained, almost paranoid, At the end of the week around six, I was sitting in the car driving back to the church site and was in the mental state of mind where I was half awake and half asleep. My buddy was driving and claimed that he wanted to pull over to the gas station that was near the church to grab a couple of snacks to munch on during our debrief time in our cabin. Since I was too tired to argue, I said fine and laid my face against the window and tried to doze off while waiting for my friend. However, I had the weirdest feeling that I was being watched. So naturally, I opened my eyes and looked out the window. I saw nothing. However, when I turned my head out of the corner of my eye, I thought I saw a white figure, just as the woman described previously. I looked back and nothing was there, but I swear I saw something. Since it was beginning to get darker outside, I quickly sat up in my seat to readjust my vision. But when I looked back out the window, it was almost as though the figure vanished. Perplexed, I stepped outside the car and looked around, but there was no trace of a creature even existing. My buddy comes back to the car and questions what the heck I was doing. Debating whether or not I should tell him, I decided to just say, Oh, I'm just getting some fresh air. Let's head out. The following days have been even worse for me. My mood is getting worse. I'm feeling way more paranoid that something is out there and at night I can almost swear that I hear scream in the far distance. Everything outside just looks 100 times scarier too, because there is barely any outside light besides the moonlight, so everything has more of an exaggerated appearance. But believe me, I know I sound crazy, but the worst part is that if I tell anyone they'll think I'm crazy too. So I have been debating whether or not I actually saw the werewolf that the lady described, or if it was just my tired eyes playing tricks on me. I hope someone can find some sort of answer to this werewolf mystery. Also, if you have any similar paranormal stories like this, please share. I am trying my best to become more aware about the paranormal. If I find anything, then I will give future updates about any more encounters or odd discoveries.